Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He plays here. How much pride he has taken in that. How much he cares about it. Tellez goes down swinging. Nasty. That's a good split right there. Oh, my goodness. Look at this thing drop right here. Down under. Not much Tellus can do right there. All right, we're back. So, 2024. Everybody's, since the deadline, had the Mets punting. We're starting to see some reporting. Not speculation, reporting. And Ken Rosenthal at The Athletic, he came out with this piece, oh, about 10 days or so, at talking about how the Mets won't be silent in free agency, and he brought up the name uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Now, geez, you think I said that right? You, know, <laughs> you better go check that out. I'm not going to go do the uh, the translator on Google. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I think I got that one right. But I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think, because I said this. The Mets, yes, the owner's going to spend money, but when you start to look at what's out there free agency wise especially with pitching because when you look at the Mets you know they have a really good core positional player you know Alonzo McNeil Endor Alvarez you could put in there Nimmo you know you really you can't get rid of everybody you can't rebuild the entire core now we had the debate about trading Alonzo and I think the more that you hear about the Mets competing I can't see them trading Alonzo unless somebody makes them an offer they couldn't refuse. Uh, the earliest I could see them doing is if they're at it at the deadline next year. Maybe they do that, head him heading into his free agency year, see what they get at that point. You know, do the same strategy they did this year, pay the rest of his salary for the year and get prospects. You're basically handing Alonzo to a contender for free. Maybe they, maybe they could do that. But I just can't see it if they want to contend. And Alonzo, who, for a couple of reasons, maybe having the hand, certainly the hand injury, when he got Bean played into his slump. But he was slumping even before that. You know, maybe it was something that, you know, we don't know. It could be an injury. It could just be, a, you know, the burden of expectations, whatever. Um, you know, Alonzo, outside of batting average, is having relatively the same season as you would expect, about an 850 OPS. We all wanted him to get to the next level. We all wanted him to be Paul Goldschmidt, the MVP from 2023, 2022. But maybe that's not who he is. Maybe he's... Pointing more towards Konerko with more power. Paul Konerko with power. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to close your eyes about 2024. And we're all going to talk about Otani. Otani is the white whale. And we're going to know pretty quickly into that offseason when Otani puts himself out there. And I don't think that's going to be a short free agency. That, I believe, is going to go into the winter meetings. And who knows? You know, I think the winter meetings would be where Otani signs. But you never know. You know, maybe that's the kind of player that drags out until Christmas, maybe New Year, you know, because that happens. Carlos Beltran didn't sign back in 2005 until late January, mid to late January. So these big stars, and it was a little bit, you know, it was a Boris thing, so maybe that was a little bit different. They take some time. Putting Otani aside and that dream aside, 
Could you close your eyes and could you imagine that next season, three-fifths, not with Otani. Let's say Otani goes to the Dodgers or Giants or he doesn't want to do any. He doesn't want to step foot on any kind of team that does not reside in California or Seattle. You know, Pacific Northwest and California. He's Japanese. That's where he wants to be. He feels comfortable on that side of the country. Let's just go under that assertion. Could you imagine the Mets who have scouts out in Japan and Cohen who, you know, pop, you know, having his hedge fund over in Japan probably understands the culture a little bit, probably would love to import Japanese stars here with the diverse community that we have in the New York area, the kind of marketing that it would make for the Mets over in Japan. I mean, think about how historic if they go out and they sign Yashinobu Yamamoto, who is, you know, somebody that, unlike Senga, who was a really good pitcher, this is a guy that was the Pacific League MVP, apparently has a, a six-pitch repertoire, mid-90s fastball, split a curveball, great command, even his walk, walk rate's below two. I know the pit, the ball's different here in the States, so maybe that ticks up a little bit. Um, you know, has some kind of unique training style, you know, into nutrition. This is a guy that, sounds like is one of those stars waiting to happen to come over here. I mean, so far this year through today, he's 11-5 at a 1.50 ERA. His career ERA in uh, Japanese baseball is 1.78. I mean, that's pretty good. You can't, you know, you can't get much better than that. Low walk rate, high strikeout rate. And then you have this interesting crafty left-handed throws in the low to, you know, mid-90s, a command pitcher, another guy that strikes out a lot of Play, uh, batters, not a lot of walks, and I'll probably say his name wrong, Shota Imanaga. You know, could you imagine the Mets going in and signing if, if these guys are available, which it sounds like they will be. Both are like, you know, in, in, in Imanaga's in his late 20s, you know, he, you know, uh, Yamamoto's at his, you know, early prime at 24 years old. Could you imagine with Senga, Senga who has proven that he can be successful here in New York and understands the city and understands the team and could be a great ambassador, could you imagine along with Quintana, Senga, the other two Japanese imports, and maybe you bring in you know some competition with Lucchese and Peterson and maybe a veteran gets in there and McGill, who knows, Mike Vazel. Then you could use the fifth spot as kind of this rotating thing. Maybe Blade Tidwell is able to come in later in the um, season. That's a very interesting rotation and an exciting rotation and a marketable rotation. And I even brought up Otani. You could still get those two guys and maybe Otani. Then you have yourself this Japanese. I mean, you might as well call them, uh, you know, the Far East Mets. There's got to be a creative and maybe you want to get a, look, start thinking of it now. You want to coin it now. If it happens, what would a Mets rotation that is, predominantly Japanese imports, what would he call that? What would be the nickname? I mean, we had five aces all those years ago with Harvey and Wheeler and Syndergaard and Mats and DeGrom. What would it be? Far East Mets? You know, we got the Ghost Fork shirts going out there by Athletes Logo. What kind of shirt? You know, with a rising sun over City Field or something like that? When you do that, and you don't have to worry about qualifying offers and you're losing your second round pick and all the other stuff that comes out, which could happen as you look at some other interesting names on the offensive side. You know, one of the names that stands out for me, and I don't know what it would cost, he's had a rebound year, is Cody Bellinger, who's having a rebound year in, in Chicago. 
Now that's a name out there. Jorge Solar, I know he's not really an offensive, uh, excuse me, a defensive player, but maybe a guy that could come in and DH a little bit, add some more power. I mean, we'll get deeper into, you know, crafting the 2024 Mets at a later date. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But tonight, for the purposes of August and the dog days, and getting through the rest of this extended, as I call, garbage time, season regardless of how happy we are to have the energy and 4a guys battling for their baseball lives that is fun hardcore baseball fans like that it's garbage time I mean it it sucks that we're in garbage time and talking about garbage time we could sit back and dream about this far east rotation I'm not not even talking about Otani because Otani to me is where the offseason starts and you got to figure out if you're in it or not and how deep you want to go, I mean, it's a $600 million price tag. You're buying two players. I think you're buying more of a hitter than a pitcher. And that's going to be my hot take as we get into the offseason. You know, I don't know if you're buying a guy that's a top-of-the-rotation pitcher consistently with Otani. I think you're buying a dynamic DH. <laughs> you're buying a DH. Now, he's a, he's a good pitcher. He's a top, You know, he's a guy that could give you number one, number two starts. But I think he settles in more like two, maybe three. I mean, the numbers say Seng is better than him. I have them there on Fangraphs. You can see him just like I can. And, you know, you've seen plenty of three or four inning stinkaroos from Otani as well. But forget about that. Forget about Otani. Let's pretend he's not even an option. You have some interesting Japanese talent that potentially could be part of a revamped rotation. Finding pitching is hard. The Mets are trying to develop pitching. Do you want to overpay for Blake Snell, who was completely lost and couldn't get anybody out in a postseason game at City Field a year ago. Aaron Nola, who I've never felt was really a consistent top of the rotation force. Julio Urias is going to cost you a ton, but do you really want to commit to a guy who's been pitching since he was like 20 years old and may have some miles and has started to show some decline this year? What Urias are you getting? You know, you got to start to think. One of the things that the Mets did well with Scherzer and Verlanders, they kept the contract short. The only contracts that you could worry about a little bit now are one Lindor and two Nimmo because they're long-term. You know, and they could potentially be sunk cost and create some payroll inflexibility down the road if that's something that occurs in the Steve Cohen world. I mean, eventually you don't want to lose draft picks. You don't want to drop 10 slots every year. So you want to have some kind of fiscal responsibility under the rules of what the luxury tax are. Now, you could also lose slot money and international uh, excuse me, international money and all this other stuff. So there's all that. I'm not going to get too deep into that. So the real way for the Mets to go in their current situation, where they need pitching, and, you know, these are unproven commodities as great as they are, so I don't know if they would require more than a four- or five-year commitment, just like Senga, who's already passed. I mean, look, I can live with, you know, perfect world, I love three-year commitments for pitchers, but I can live with five. It's when you get to six, seven, you know, and get crazy numbers. You got to reserve those for in prime elite stars, like what the Yankees did with Jarrett Cole, which is also interesting. 
I think Cole has an opt-out. And it would be interesting if that actually comes into play. And I'm going to look that up before this show's over. Because I think I think he has an opt-out. And that would be interesting if he opted out. You know, And, and I think at times Cole, who's a very good pitcher, could be slightly overrated as well. You know, out there. Good pitcher. Top of the rotation. Will give you everything that a wheeler will give you. You know, he's a little home run prone. But, you know, so was Max Scherzer even when he was good at times. So, why don't you sit back and dream of a Far East rotation. Read the Ken Rosenthal article at on, at the Athletic, Athletic with, which basically says, hey, nobody in baseball believes the Mets are not going to spend. Now, they may not go out and just go crazy on every free agent out there. They're going to probably be more targeted. Maybe they're going to look and you know, shop some of the B-level free agency. Japan and the, you know, there's still a certain amount of uncertainty with those guys. But I think we're headed off, headed for an offseason where the Japanese market, and I'll even go one step further, maybe the league needs to start looking at the Japanese market. I mean, Yoshida has been a really solid addition over in Boston. Um, Fujinami was bad in Oakland. I know he's been a little bit better at times coming out of the bullpen in Baltimore. Suzuki in Chicago is all right. You know, maybe, he's, you know, he's he's getting the same kind of money that Yoshida got, but not nearly the same results. And it's give or take as you're, you know, with the ball being different and the training methods being different and obviously culture and moving across the world here, 24 hours basically into a different culture, a different baseball environment, adds all these peripheral things that make it very difficult to project with certainty. You know, so for every Hodeo Nomo that was really good and Daisuke that was good for a little bit, you have stinkers out there. You have a Kazmat Sui who didn't adjust and didn't take his talents and, you know, become uh, anything more than, you know, an occasional flash in the pan of, of really good baseball when he was here in the States, especially with the Mets. You know, but the world is shrinking in this increasingly shrinking world. Korea, Japan, you know, we've obviously tons of players from South America and Cuba and things like that. Why not the Japanese market? Why not start to see an influx of Japanese players who want to put their talents on the best stage in the world? They saw a guy like Singa come here, and, you know, the season's not over, but he's proved everybody wrong. You know, he was a very good pitcher in Japan. I wasn't sure that he was going to translate. Um, You know, he's a top 20 pitcher in baseball. And statistically better than Otani on the mound. Can't hit, but can't fault him for that. So, this is a little warm-up, a little bit of mental bubblegum for you about what the 2023-2024 offseason looks like. And it's very well might require us getting our buddy Jim Allen, who talked to us about Kodai Singa last uh, December before he signed, and getting him on and saying, hey, who are these guys that we're hearing that are coming to the States? Maybe we'll talk to him a little bit before the season's out. So, anyway... We're going to take a quick break, wrap up. You're listening to the Talking Bits Podcast. We'll be back with more right after this.